It's the Dive Podcast. It's the Dive Podcast. It's the Dive Podcast. The Spanish flu is fake news. <laughs> Spanish flu it's like saying that I'm racist for calling it Spanish food. I don't know. Also, um, somebody get rid of that socialist FDR from office, if you know what I mean. Yeah, hopefully somebody has the uh, the balls to put a bullet in his head. That's what's gonna save America. We gotta stop this FDR fella from. Giving out these handouts. Our levels are too Our levels good. All right, I reckon our levels are. Wait, let's play that. Oh, <laughs> God, that's good. Um, I laughed. Yeah, very true. Um, we're in a very interesting. Now that our uh, Republican president has actually uh, supported the $2,000. It's going to be very interesting to see if the Democrats are, are going to be like, well, we, we would love to support the $2,000, but unfortunately, um, we our hands are tied because we have a Republican president. <laughs> now they're going to have to come up with some other bullshit excuse. So uh, let's see if they do it. Let's see if they uh, pull it off. I'm, pull, I'm, I'm, I'm holding out. I want Bernie Sanders to just go into the Senate and be like, fuck it, we're doing it live. And he yeah. just starts cutting off people's heads. And, that, and is like, everybody gets at that $2,000. Yeah, he does the thing that in every early 2000s horror movie where he cuts off their head, but then the camera sits on them for a second or two. And they're like, Ugh, and then their head slides yeah. off. Like in an anime. Yeah, and he's just like, we're doing it live, folks. Fuck it. We're fuck doing it. it we're live. doing it live because... That's what's needed in this country. Liveness. That's right. Well, um, we'll see what happens. I'm not optimistic. Um, I should give a shout out to our, um, our, our organizing brothers and sisters who are in Georgia. Um, oh, our brothers and sisters out there. 
They're knocking on, and I mean, and and just to be clear, so nobody gets mad at me when I say brothers and sisters, I mean brothers and sisters with the a ending, not with yeah. the hard r ending. That's right. So, um, I was optimistic because at the start of the uh, when the results started coming in, um, uh, Asav and Warnock who are the two Democratic candidates, were outperforming Joe um, and how he did in Georgia, which obviously he won. But um, right now, the two Republicans are about... Um, Purdue is three points ahead of Ossov, and Loeffler is about um, 2.1... No, 2.2 points ahead of Warnock. So... Uh, we'll see. Um, I guess it uh, could change whenever more mail-in ballots come in, but... Uh, I wouldn't hold my hopes up for that. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, we here on The Dive have an agnostic uh, view about these things because we don't fuck with politics because all politics are liars. Because we're anarcho-Marxist, Leninist, Kropotkinists. Yeah. We only follow the teachings of Murray Bookchin. And Vladimir Lenin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So we don't fuck with voting, but um, for people who are interested in that sort of thing, this has been your election corner of the dive, um, <laughs> giving you the most rigorous analysis of what's happening on the ground. And, you know, uh, for people who care about that shit and want Asif and Warnock to win... Um, Good luck. You know, Godspeed, I guess. I guess you guys will be drinking tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be drinking either way. So, uh, drinking if they win or lose, which at this point I'd give the edge to them losing, but... Yeah, I mean, they don't really care about anything other than the party. No. Some real Orwellian shit there, man. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I regardless of whether or not I wanted them to win... Um, the I wasn't really optimistic at any point just because the polls have had them at like they had Ossoff ahead by one point and Warnock ahead by two points and if you're a Democrat and you're not ahead by like double digits in the polls yeah then I'm you're not you're sunk as far as I'm yeah because yeah. polls for, for whatever polls reason polls suck polls are awful because the only people who answer polls are people who listen to NPR yeah I want to talk about shit. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, but but anyway, um, we are not in Georgia because we're actually coming at you live. From New York! This is, is The Saturday Dive! Saturday Night Live! Oh, yeah, yeah. That was copyrighted. It's, oh, it's Saturday Night Dive. Saturday Night Dive! Um, it's New York City, but it's the also the golden age of Hollywood. But you mean two thousand nine? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm kidding. <laughs> Look at your face. As soon as I said two thousand, you were like, "Oh no." Two thousand nine. <laughs> oh, Hancock came out in two thousand nine. Yeah, I didn't Hancock. know that. That's not why it must be the, uh, the golden, golden age of Hollywood. You know what? You, everybody is entitled to their own shitty opinions that aren't as good as mine and wrong and invalid. But You're right. Hey, your opinions are very valid. You know why? 
What? Because you have a movie podcast. That's right. I have a movie podcast, and you have a movie podcast, and... So we're equal in opinions. No, but you have more credibility than the average bear. Yeah. Um, the average bear. Yeah. I do wear pants. Oh, shit. Uh, no, wait. I am wearing pants. Never mind. Where are, you, where are you going with that bit? I don't know. You know how Yogi Bear doesn't wear any pants? Uh-huh. And he's smarter than the average bear? Okay. That means I'm smarter than Yogi Bear. Ah. Uh. Because I wear pants and he doesn't. Okay. But I don't know if that's an issue... Oversizing, you know, like maybe they just don't make pants in Yogi Bear size. But he does live in America, and I've seen some pretty big pants out there. Sure. Well, people need to compare his um, stature to the stature of the human characters in the movie, yeah, yeah. so that they can do sort of a scientific. Yeah, is he a size thirty? Like maybe he's like a size thirty-six, yeah. forty. I don't know, but you could figure it out. You might be thinking, this is just a cartoon. What are you guys talking about? You're so crazy. You know, there is a... Uh, I read a pretty interesting article that oh, yeah. tried to use science to figure out whether or not Wolverine could withstand a nuclear blast. So, you know, sometimes... Uh, now, a little bit of thought of experiment with Yogi I mean, Bear or the I've already seen the, the Wolverine, and the answer is yes, the Wolverine can survive a nuclear blast. I saw it in the theaters. Yeah. Remember that movie where Wolverine becomes a samurai? I haven't seen that. I've heard it's pretty decent. But no, I well, but, but the movie might have fucked it up. I mean, eh? Based on everything that has been told, had been um, established about Wolverine's, like, history and abilities up until that point um which is canon the movie might have gotten wrong yeah but movies tell the truth which brings us to the point that we're going to be talking about today about our movies a golden age classic the movies watchers movie the critics movie the director's movie the movie that people who know film always look at the world famous Film. Yeah. It's the movie for film nerds. Film nerds, well, yes. Well, entry film nerds, I would say. Although, yeah. you know, it's it's a movie that, in my opinion, it's one of those movies that, folks, it really is that good. And, no. of course, I'm talking about Citizen Kane, um, 1941. Directed by none other than the man himself, Orson Welles. For a minute there, I thought you were... I I bet you thought I was about to say another movie's name. Like, I bet you were thinking I was going to be like, 2009's classic Hancock. I don't know. I actually wasn't expecting you to do it then, but I should have been expecting that. That was very naive on my part not to expect I was about to, but then I was like, can I be this cruel to Will twice in like less than five minutes? Well, you you know what? Nothing you can say is going to piss on my parade because this we're talking is my about fight song. Song. That's right. This is my fight song and I am feeling myself tonight because we're talking about two good movies. Yes. One, in fact, I would say one great movie yeah. and then another good movie yeah. that I've been itching to uh, rewatch since we watched it. But, oh yeah. Um, Anyways, yes, first movie, amazing Citizen movie, Kane. Citizen Kane. Five bags of popcorn out of five. Yes. Deserves every um, bit of... It holds up, folks. ...accolade that it, it has It holds gotten. up. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it really is um, a movie that like still feels groundbreaking. Um, is still incredibly has an incredibly engaging and accessible story that even though it's told in a non-linear fractured way, um, I think like is is able to um, it, tells you know a good has story. yeah tell a story that like people still find compelling today because so much of it is carried along by. Great writing, great storytelling, and of course, great performances from the entire cast, but um, especially Orson Welles. I mean, this is a guy who just like oozes charisma Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. charm and theatricality. I mean, in all of his movies, like there was another movie he was in that I really, really love called The Third Man, where uh, there's this uh, shot um, where it... The, the movie introduces him and it introduces him in the way of like there's like a ball rolling across the ground and then it like rolls up to his feet and then the camera like pans up to him and you see his profile and then he just gives this like smolder kind of <laughs> that's like smolder. so uh, infectious and delightful and cheeky yes. and um, yes. yeah I he's, mean he's a this is a one-of-a-kind character, for sure. Yeah. Not going to be another one like him. Except we'll for see. right now, because there's another Orson Welles sitting right across from me, and his name is William Messenger. That's right. And you are my Edediah, or whatever his friend's name is. Oh, I was just going to say, I'd, ra- I'd rather be Herman Mank. Mankwitz, which is our other movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about Mank, yeah. the movie that propagates an already um, mm-hmm. debunked theory that says that Herman Mankwitz, the co-writer of Citizen Kane, actually wrote all of Citizen Kane by himself, mm-hmm. and that Orson Welles basically forced uh, Herman Mankiewicz to give him, um, like... Trying to get him to not take credit for writing the film. And of course, there's everything that's surrounding the writing of the scripts of Citizen Kane. You know, all the political stuff happening at the time. It's, of course, references to real people who actually existed at the time. That's right. And the big old, uh, you know. Yeah, it's a movie that um, Mank is a very interesting movie because it is it's a movie that was written in the 90s by um, or I guess it was conceived and sort of started in the 90s by uh, David Fincher's dad because David Fincher is the director of um, of Mank and this is his first movie that he's directed in I want to say Six years. Yeah, six years. What has he been doing, Will? He's just been alone in his in his mansion in uh, the the Xanadu um, <laughs> the the Zan, Xanadu yep, yep. castle, um, just kind of brooding around and and you know verbally abusing his mistresses, and then somebody <laughs> finally kind of came up to him and was like, Dave, you gotta get back on your feet. He had to write something, and he was like, I don't know if I can, and they're just like, try, and then they put a typewriter in front of him, and then 
Well, actually, that doesn't make sense because he didn't write it. Yeah, his but, dad wrote it. No, they put a typewriter in front of him, but instead he throws the typewriter out the window as he goes into the deep, dark basement where he keeps his father's dead remains as he purges through all his belongings as he pulls out the lost script for Mank mm-hmm. and decides to make it into a movie. Yes, and... Uh, so, like, you know, Citizen Kane is one of those movies that almost, where the story surrounding it and kind of the characters surrounding the making of it and its conception and release and legacy almost uh, transcend the movie itself. And yes. I say almost because the movie is, by its own regards... Still um, really good. Incredible. Yeah. But it also has, it's, it's surrounded by all of this insane intrigue, like, who wrote it? Um, what, you know, was William Randolph Hearst the sole kind of inspiration for Citizen Kane, or was it an, um, amalgamation of him and a bunch of other people? Did, you know, it, it, there are different sort of versions regarding Citizen Kane's authorship and its real sort of inspiration, um, and I don't think that there is, like, a real sort of, um... I wouldn't say that it's been debunked that Herman Mankiewicz wrote the whole thing. Yeah. It's the popular, the popular, or the what's it, what's it say? The most uh, prevailing theory is that they did share yeah in, authorship. In authorship. But of course, you know, I think that's what most um, film scholars believe nowadays. Of course, this movie again because it was started thirty years ago and is based on. Um, an article by this woman named Kale, um, Pauline Kale, uh, who wrote an article for the New Yorker basically claiming that Herman Mankiewicz was the sole author of it. The movie sort of portrays him as being the sole author, and it kind of, um, it's, it's funny because, like, it, it has the same problem that a lot of other sort of historical biopics do, where it sort of like bends over backwards and really tries to um, takes a lot of liberties with historical accuracy a to lot. tell this, you know, in in exchange for dramatic tension, um, sort of a, a story of good versus evil and kind of modern political intrigue. Um, and we can talk about those things, but that's... Much so- like the new Wolverine movie took a lot of liberties to paint a story about how Wolverine can survive a nuclear blast. That's what I'm saying. That's what I said, and you disagreed with it, but now you agree with me, so I'm... No, no, but I'm telling you, Mank is just like that. Mank is a story that distorts history and makes it to be what you need it to be to yeah. tell a better story. Much like the Wolverine movie took history... Yes. manipulated it yes. so that it, they could tell their story about Wolverine that's being what in I'm Japan. Saying. That's what I literally said. Is that you what you like, said? That's what I said, and you were like, you're wrong. Oh. You said it's canon, it and it doesn't take any No, ways. no, but it, it, you see, that's the thing. Film can make things that aren't true canon. Um, the power of cinema... To make things okay. that... Okay, well, canon you know, is... Having a literary character or a comic book character 
And deciding what's canon isn't the same thing as, you know, telling a real-life person's story. Mm. But, um... Really? But that's, you know... That's a good argument to make, though. It's a very interesting take on make, right? Yeah. It's, uh... It's, it's, it's pushing forward a theory that most people disagree with, right? Like, so... Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really controversial theory. Yeah. Because it would just shit all over Orson Welles' entire legacy. Yeah, and it's just the idea that there could they could make a film that's entirely false, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but somehow maybe maybe like I said, this is big if, right? Mm-hmm. Big if mm-hmm. one day way down the line we start taking make as more of a this is what actually happened, right? Like what? What if? Because I don't know. Actually, this is a really interesting fact. I guess mm-hmm. maybe not that interesting. But anyways, you know the famous footage from uh, Soviet films that picture the storming of the Winter Palace by Soviet uh, troops? No, what is this? Okay, so there's famous footage. Okay, Uh, it's it's real life footage. It's it's been portrayed as real life footage for the longest time. But actually, it's a reenactment that's been dramatized to make the taking of the Winter Palace seem more grand than it was at the time right so people always use this footage as if it's footage of what had actually happened Mm -hmm. when in actuality it's just a remake a Mm reenactment to aggrandize an event or a situation or people yeah that did take place in it to create a new form of truth there's no lie in there right yeah there was a storming of the winter palace but we can make it. We're telling our truth. Yes, it's a very truth that's modern exactly. Hmm. That's I don't a, know about that. I don't know about these it's very... <laughs> No, that's not. I can't. I can't get down with that. It, to me, there is such a thing as you know. I mean, yes, that that sort of um, that kind of uh, framework, I think, has its place. But for something like this, and look, here's the thing. I think the story of um, Mank is, uh, I kind of like the fact that it's shrouded in mystery. And I don't think we ever really will know, like, definitively who wrote what. I mean, I kind of thought that it would be, like, a simple matter of Googling, like, what was the, what were the first drafts of it like? Because Mank wrote a draft. Yeah. And then Orson Welles supposedly had his own draft. wrote his own draft. Supposedly, we're still that's the mystery, right? We uh-huh. don't know if they like they, they say Orson Welles wrote his draft. Yeah. And then Mank wrote his draft. Yes. And then Orson Welles took the best of both. Right. Supposedly. Yeah. You're saying you think Mank wrote both drafts? I think. Or he just wrote. He I think the there whole... is an exaggeration. On one or the other saying how much they actually contributed to the script. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they both claimed that they... Uh, well, well, Mank basically claimed that he wrote the whole thing, and Wells wrote that it was a combination. Yeah. Um, there's a great line from Mank where... So the movie won Best Screenplay... Didn't win Best Picture. They'll never give it Best Picture, folks. 
They'll never give give a movie about a guy like me best picture. It'll never win best picture. It'll win best screenplay. My God! But it'll never win best picture. We but, are um, literally living in a world where Citizen Kane became president. That's his favorite movie. I wouldn't doubt it. Trump's favorite movie, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it won best screenplay, but neither Mank nor Wells uh, were at the Academy Awards, so they both gave uh, acceptance speeches um, that they shared for best screenplay. And Mank said that um, had he given his, well, I guess he, yeah, he didn't give an acceptance speech, but he did say that if he did give one, he would have said, "I'm very happy to accept this award in Mr. Wells's absence." Because the script was written in Mr. Wells's absence, mm. um, so he was very uh, he was very adamant about that, I guess. But um, the question of I mean, look, the, the one area in which I think or Wells doesn't have that much credibility is he's sort of like waffled on because the big thing about. Um, the movie that most people agree on is that the character of Charles Foster Kane was based on the uh, real life Randolph Hearst. Real life. Go William ahead and describe him. You know him more. You know more about Golden Era. So I wrote down. Well, I wrote down just a few factoids. This is sort of what why there's such a wide consensus on like Kane just being like basically Hearst. Like they're just yeah. the same person. Now Orson Welles sort of waffled on this. He said like, well. He's actually based on a few people, and it's not just Hearst. And I wouldn't even say he's the sole inspiration. But um, we're going to go through our a little history lesson and, um, you know, uh, compare some of the um, more uncanny resemblances between the life and the legend. So, like Citizen Kane, William Randolph Hearst was a flame-throwing but enterprising newspaper tycoon who used his platform that he bootstrapped to shake the world. Like Kane, he was able to get his business up and running with the help of Papa's cash. So, he also had a mistress whose career he helped foster, uh, whose acting career he helped foster through his influence in the entertainment industry. He also spent decades building a literal castle that he never completed on 250,000 acres of land that he owned, much like Kane's Xanadu Castle. Yes. And has even been attributed as the author of a quote that is nearly identical to arguably the most famous line in Citizen Kane. Kane's version, you provide the prose, I'll provide the war. Hearst's version, you furnish the pictures, I'll furnish the war. In Citizen Kane, I'll keep it going. In Citizen Kane, uh, he uses his newspaper as a platform to help promote and sell this war to the American public. I think it is the Spanish War. Yeah, it's the Spanish American War. And William Randolph Hearst, in real life, used his uh, newspaper platform to help sell and drum up American support for the Spanish-American War and our support for Cuban revolutionaries. So, <laughs> Mr. Wells, you want to tell us that um, that he's not... Is Kane Charles Foster Kane not William Randolph Hearst? Also, why did you give them three names? If you gave Charles Foster Kane three names, of it's course true. everybody's going to be like, who else is this famous guy who goes by all three of his names? Right. 
Exactly. What is what is he? An actor from the nineties slash yeah. early two thousands. You got <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Who's that? You got, what? Yeah. Like like what if I made a movie about Philip Seymour Hoffman and yeah. I named him like uh 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 Romel Antonio Tomes. Yeah, see it's it's too much. It's right. too much right there. Too many too many words. Too many who, words. Who has all three who who spells out all three? Yeah, names? who says all three of their names? Yeah. It's very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I totally <laughs> took No, that, that's I a very that compelling round. that's a very compelling comparison. So now, I mean Hearst is king. Yeah. It's um, obvious. And the fact that Wells would argue otherwise, I find very suspicious. It is suspicious. But then, uh, I guess Mank, the movie Mank, yeah. does reveal that maybe there was some kind of uh, reason that maybe uh, uh, Orson Welles didn't want to uh, <laughs> antagonize. antagonize Mr. William Randolph Hearst. Well, the thing is, like, even if... People today don't think the movie was based on Hearst. Hearst thought the movie was based on Hearst. And he actually pulled any kind of... He banned, basically banned advertising for Citizen Kane in all of his newspapers. Jesus. So, that um, is some high-level power. Yeah, seriously. Probably part of the reason the movie um, bombed. So, you know, it just shows how far we've come. I mean, did Jeff Bezos pull any of his ads for Batman v Superman? Whenever that was released, despite the very clear resemblance between him and Lex Luthor, no, he didn't, and that's because he's a mature human being who yes. doesn't isn't just ego tripping and would you know send his his uh, you know wets wetsuit squad whatever you call it. So. I like to think that he calls them Amazonians. Ooh, very good. That's actually why he didn't ban it because he knew that they were working on. Justice League and Wonder Woman. But but no, and and what's actually interesting is, like, Mank gets a lot of um, its history wrong, but one of the things it gets right is that um, Mank was friends with William Randolph Hearst and uh, was part of his social circle and was invited to uh, these these dinner parties that Hearst held at his castle. And And guess who else had weird dinner parties that he held in his castle? Charles Foster Kane. That's quite right. But um, but no, it, it, it lends more credibility to the idea that Mank uh, would have based the movie solely on Hearst because he was such good friends with him. And, um, like I mentioned, uh, the similarities between Marion Davis and uh, Susan Alexander and Citizen Kane are pretty similar. I mean, in no, both very cases, similar. the... Rich boyfriend uses his influence <clears throat> to sort of kickstart the career of his uh, his mistress, yeah. his media. And then there's the two other friends, right, mm-hmm. in the movie, uh, Citizen Kane movie. The guy who's kind of like uh, um, Kane's business partner, who's yeah. basically his yes man. The similarities between him and the oh, uh, the guy it's... who ran the uh, what was it? Was it How, MGM? Yeah. Right. That was, that, was that Thatcher, I think? Um, no, in the movie, I think his name is... Uh, uh, don't want to be... 
Wait, the guy who ran MGM, are you talking about the guy who gives the speech to all of the uh, yes, workers and is like, we're going to have to make some tough choices? Uh, yeah. Mayor. Mayor, yeah, mayor. Yes, and mayor, you're saying, is similar to, um, what was the guy, yeah, what was the guy's fucking name? Carver? No. Bernstein? Bernstein? Yeah. Bernstein, yes. Yeah, Bernstein. Um, yes. So, uh... Yeah, I think there are probably a lot of characters in Citizen Kane that are based on real-life people. Uh, or in Mink that are based on... Well, yeah, Citizen Kane, based on the real-life people who did exist in Mink. Yeah, Although, and they all ran in the same circle. So, you know, it's not... Yeah. It's kind of hard not to mm-hmm. look at the movie. Yeah. And then I'm sure everybody who's a higher up in Hollywood is just looking at this movie and is like, oof. Yeah, this is. not a good look, fam. <laughs> yeah, not a good look for us. But also, is uh, Charles Foster Kane that bad of a portrayal? Like, wouldn't you want to be? Wouldn't you want to be Kane? Yeah, wouldn't hmm. like, especially in the forties, right? Wouldn't yeah. somebody like William Randolph Hearst think that being portrayed as Kane might be flattering? Um, no, because at the, be- I mean, because remember at the beginning he is, um, he's, you know, he's a pimp, you know, he starts his own newspaper company, yeah. he's using it to, do but good, it's also, right? well, he's doing it to quote unquote do good, but he's also, um, he's also doing yellow journalism. He's selling wars. He's like lecturing his editor about how, no, you need to sell human interest stories, which is like the worst fucking thing you can do as a newspaper. (laughs) Um, He, so like, I would actually argue that like, even from the get go, the way he runs his newspaper, even though he's kind of, he has this swagger, he's kind of this like very attractive, very um, witty sort of, Playboy, uh, like newspaper tycoon, he's still doing some really shady stuff. And then by the end of the movie, I mean, he's just. He's a lonely old man. He's a lonely old man. And even the scene where he destroys his wife's room, where he like has his temper tantrum, the way he like uh, moves around, I think Orson Welles was literally trying to recreate the sort of locomotion of like a baby yeah like he honestly very does baby-like. very baby like i loved it um so also oh, i do really quickly though want to say like one of the things that i appreciate about the movie more and more every time i watch it is the scene where he um his wife whose career he's like basically launched even though mm-hmm. she's he doesn't want it. Yeah, she, she doesn't want it and she's it. not good she uh so then she overdoses and tries to kill herself uh and then but but she it doesn't succeed and then like there's that scene where he's like talking to her when she's um on her bed and and she's recovering charlie i couldn't make you see how i felt charlie but I couldn't go through with the singing again. You don't know what it means to know that people are... That a whole audience just doesn't want you. And, like, the way she looks in that scene, 
is so like she looks so washed up she has this like crazy look in her eyes and it's just so like the it's it's so like you want to feel sympathy for her but you can tell that the way the movie views her is just so contemptuous and it's so biting it's so darkly funny and just kind of um sadistic but also like tragic but just like there's this really great sort of really really pitch black comedy in that scene that um i just think is really great yeah um so very honestly i love the movie and you know me well i'm not a big fan of of old movies like yeah i've I've showed you now now that uh ace in the hole Yep. Dr. Citizen Kane. Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. Three Ooh. black and white movies I've seen. Technically Mank, but you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet Smell of Success. Maybe yeah. that'll oh, be Oh, we, we did watch that other movie with the thieves. The thieves. Uh, wait, which one was that? Were they... Where the guy infl- seduces the rich perfume. Oh, um... What is oh, oh trouble in paradise? Trouble in paradise. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, but not. Yeah. But I think out of all of them, Citizen Kane was my favorite. Citizen Kane. It just, holds up, dude. It captivated me. I was captivated, and you know what? Kane joins that uh, that famous Mount Rushmore of characters from fiction mm-hmm. that people don't seem to understand. Yeah. People want to be them, but don't understand. You're not supposed to want to be them. The villains themselves were ultimately responsible for much of the popularity. Audiences love to hate. Joining fellow fictional characters, uh, uh, Rick from Rick and Marty, and the Joker. And MF Doom. And poor MF Doom. Yeah. Once again, so you would think, mm-hmm. so Citizen Kane really is kind of a cautionary tale of... Uh, what hubris does to hubris a man. does to a man it's an age old tale it's mm-hmm. like it's like uh, uh um the odyssey yeah or um i don't know hamlet king lear mm-hmm. you know it's one of those famous tragic movies that shows you what happens when a man tries to be more than what he is where he tries yeah. to control everything around him without understanding that the world doesn't work that way. It, that's interesting because I don't, I don't read it in... I think that's definitely an interpretation you can take. But the thing that I've always read in Citizen Kane is it's a movie about what happens to everybody. Even if you're not um, somebody who's assumed by hubris like citizen mm. kane is it's you get older and you become corrupted you become um your your life and your your sort of worldview is destroyed by um tragedy by loss of love by uh the imminency of death and all you know the only thing that you have to sort of hold on to in the end is is the memory of your childhood when everything mm-hmm. was uncorrupted and pure. Um, 
That's always sort of how I've read the end it of is. it. But wow, that's yeah. a deep cut, Will. Why do I always get so gothic? This is You're I got gothic You're when I goth talked kid. about Mandy. I'm so goth. You're such a goth. And I don't even try to be. I just goth um, kid, man. I listen to a lot of uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor and, yeah. and you know uh, That's gonna be your rosebud. You're gonna you're gonna say something weird on your deathbed, like rosebud, and everybody's gonna be like, What was that? What yeah. was your rosebud? You're gonna be holding you're gonna be like Modelo. And you're gonna die. Because yeah. that's, that's the most right. it's the most important thing <laughs> in our lives from our time as innocents. Mm -hmm. But yes. It's true. Ooh. So, I yeah. wanted to ask you, Yeah. do you think, Mank, by having this movie be created, mm -hmm. fuels the fire of the whole Mankro everything theory uh, more? Uh-huh. Wait, do I think it's going to fuel the fire? Like, it's going to... Like, do you think it's, it's going to add, you know, add to the, to the narrative, to the... To the lore behind Citizen Kane, now that there's been a movie made about this theory that most mm. people kind of like, eh, no, it's not that. I don't think it's real. Do you think there's going to be a new, like, ah, you know, it like adds to the, the, the mystery and the fun behind trying to find out everything that happens around Citizen Kane? Because yeah. it's, it's its own self-contained, like narrative and universe where there's people and characters and right. you don't know who did what and what's going on and I just I really enjoy that Citizen Kane comes with all this backstory lore mm -hmm. and really honestly make on its own maybe a four star movie yeah pretty good movie not like the best movie I've ever seen yeah but when you watch it side by side with Citizen Kane they both enhance each other yeah, and it's it's it just makes the whole viewing experience much more um, intense because you feel like you're watching two movies that take place in the same cinematic universe, but it's just fun. Well, I think Mank has definitely reignited interest in Citizen Kane. Um, I think, I mean, like I said, Citizen Kane to me is the reason it's it's held up is because like you can definitely you just feel how like adventurous and like inventive and groundbreaking it was i mean there's so many visual techniques it uses and storytelling techniques that um are just um that like elevated above like everything else or like you know at least um everything else that was coming out on the at the time whereas like mank suffers from the same problem that a lot of historical biopics suffer from, which is that they, um, it, it, it takes a lot of historical liberties to tell, you know, for the sake of kind of creating dramatic, uh, tension. And I wasn't like, I wasn't really cued into that whenever I was watching it. But then when I started like reading up on it and kind of how historically accurate it was, I was like, oh yeah, of course, I should have, like, been able to guess that. So, like, for example, yeah. um, the, like, movie, I think, takes it upon itself to come up with a reason for why Mank would want to write um, a movie about Hearst in such an unflattering way. So the, like, kind of, like, dramatic... Uh, so the reason that it, 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 it sort of, or the pretense that it comes up with for why he did this 
was that Herman Mankiewicz was a left-leaning supporter of uh, Upton Sinclair, the Democratic candidate, or the, the socialist candidate for California's governor race, which um, in real life, uh, William Randolph Hearst and other sort of industry giants were effectively able to squash. Now, the problem with this is that there's nothing about Mank's biography or any of the things that he said, you know, according to the people who knew him, yeah. that would suggest that he... Um, Supported Upton Sinclair. Yeah, because in the movie it, it shows him supporting Upton Sinclair and then watching as Hearst destroys his gubernatorial run and then kind of coming to this uh, epiphany that like Hearst is just this evil tyrant and he's going to write a movie about why yeah. he sucks and he even gives this really Oh yes, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie where he's at, he drunkenly stumbles into Hearst's party and he gives this long description of a new movie about Don Quixote but it's basically just Citizen Kane. But. Yeah. So that's how the movie portrays it, and that's the movie's attempt to come up with a pretense for why he wrote Citizen Kane, which, again, it's like I said, it's bending over backwards to create a sort of dramatic um, structure or whatever. But uh, like I said, nothing in his biography um, would suggest that he gave a shit about Upton Sinclair or that he was even particularly left-leaning. Or political at all. Yeah, I mean, he may have been, he may have even been kind of conservative. I think he made some disparaging remarks about uh, unions, and then his brother was very vehemently uh, anti uh, Upton Sinclair. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, Herman was, but it does kind of go to show that like the movie sort of kind of creates that um, dramatic tension out of thin air. And there's even a scene in Mank where Mank's friend like creates this like propaganda newsreel like targeted at Upton Sinclair. And it's actually really funny because he's like interviewing different people yeah. and like he inter all of the people who he interviews who are like kind of uh, Pro Sinclair. Yeah, are they're, like degenerates. They're black people and immigrants. Yeah. And, <laughs> So, Immigrants from Russia. <laughs> right, right, right. They're Bolshevik. Basically, Basically, yeah. The subtext Bolsheviks. is anybody who supports Sinclair is a, is a Bolshevik. Well, we need complete rejuvenation of our system. So I vote for Comrade Upton. His system work in Russia. Why not here? So his friend creates this newsreel and then has this huge like moral crisis and then blows his brains out. Uh, the problem is that the person who um, is he, he, what's his fucking name? The guy who um, Shelley. Yeah, it might be Shelley. Um, but uh, that character never existed. He was basically spun out of um, Metcalf. Metcalf. That was that's the name of the guy who puts together the newsreel in the movie. He didn't exist. So. Like I said, the movie takes those artistic liberties, and you kind of could have seen it coming from a mile away. I mean, it's just very... I don't know. In hindsight, it just seems very obvious to me, but um, it, it, it's an interesting case study in what happens when you, like I said, um, take these kind... And, and it's not that I care that it's historically inaccurate. It's like 
that's not the problem with it. The problem is that it's historically inaccurate in a way that's like so obvious that it's trying to create this like David Goliath story mm-hmm. that um, that wasn't there, that didn't exist. Yeah, and that even if it did exist, it's like I don't know. The movie yeah. just portrays it in kind of a um, just added more attention to the movie, right? Because. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not it's like... very simplistic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's you know. not like Manx's support or non-support of Upton Sinclair would have influenced how William Randolph Hearst acted or would have acted. It just kind of gives uh, uh, people more... People have more sympathy mm-hmm. or, or empathy for, for Mank or the main character, Herman Mankiewicz, but it's, it's not true. It didn't yeah. happen that way. But, yeah. but... But, 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 the big but, uh, it adds to the legend of Citizen Kane. Yeah. Like, Citizen Kane already has this lore and, and, and a legacy and legend behind it, mm-hmm. just from it existing in the first place. And of course, if you do look into, like, the real life stuff, like you said, William Randolph first did... Uh, make sure not, there was no ads right. uh, for Citizen K. Uh, I'm sure Herman Mankiewicz might have been on his last legs as a writer when he wrote it. I think it was his last script, right? In real life. I think it was. He co-wrote a bunch of stuff that he didn't get credit for. Um, yeah. He was just kind of this uh, dilettante, I yeah. guess is the best. This is, was the movie. last of his works. Mm-hmm. That to be created into a movie. Yeah. Uh, Upton Sinclair was running for governor. Yellow journalism was a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it really. Citizen Kane is about the 1900s, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that was very much influenced by the way things ran in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. That it kind of is like a cyclical. Uh, it feeds into each other. It's a work of history that allows us to see uh, what life was like in those times, while at the same time being a product of its times. Interesting. Those so, are my favorite kinds of movies. Exactly. It's, it's a movie that shows us, and it's, 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 it's crazy because William Randolph Hearst could have gone down in history having had nothing to do with Citizen K. Like, yeah. he could have just been like, you're right, Orson Welles is right, this isn't about me, blah, blah, blah. But he took it personally, mm-hmm. flexing his power yeah. to show how much like Kane he actually was, yeah. thus feeding into the narrative that Hearst was <laughs> Charles Foster Kane. That's so, so mind-blowing, right? Yeah, it's so, like... Uh... You really can't help but betray your own um, kind of insecurities exactly. and egotism that you like become, the movie is about yeah. and portrays. Yeah, you become the char- the the caricature of mm-hmm. yourself in trying so hard to not be that caricature. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, um, yeah. Citizen Kane, man. It's one of those movies. Man's one of those movies. Like I said, that also is why Bank really helps. I liked it, watching it alongside Citizen Kane. If you guys yeah. have the option to... Yeah, 
definitely watch either Mank before Citizen Kane. I think that might have changed the way I'd seen Citizen Kane if I had watched Mank before Citizen Kane. Ah, I think it's it, the prequel. Yeah, exactly. I think it might have been a better viewing experience, maybe. I'm not, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. But if you're walking in blind, never seen Citizen Kane, mm -hmm. I suggest you watch Mank first and then Citizen Kane. If you've yes. seen Citizen Kane, rewatch Citizen Kane and then watch Mank again mm -hmm. because they really help enhance the viewing experience of both. Yeah. Like I've said. Yeah, I think they're really good companion pieces. I think that Mank, even though it is not, it's just, like I said, it's a good movie. It's honestly, like, gorgeous. It like, it's, it's gorgeously shot. Um, Gary Oldman is really good in it. Amanda Seyfried is really great. Uh, the guy who plays Hurst, um, what's his name? He's the Game of Thrones guy. Um, oh, oh, um... The guy who plays... Charles Dance. Yes. And of course, and the guy who plays Citizen Kane, Tom Burke, um, British actor, he, when I heard that he was going to be playing Kane... Slash Orson Welles. See, look at that. Look at how that happens. I know, right? Don't know what's real anymore. No, they, they, well... Some people have also said that Kane is based on Orson Welles. Oh, which I think is he could be totally valid. because Orson Welles becomes a Citizen Kane type character yeah. by trying to discredit Mank, who wrote the entire thing. Uh huh. So he's he's he has so he literally become. I'm not. Yes. Or love Hurst me. Isn't Kane. Love me because I'm Kane. I'm Kane. I yeah. need love. So I wrote Citizen Kane. I acted in Citizen Kane and I directed Citizen Kane because Orson Welles is a control freak, much like Charles Foster Kane. Yeah. And he played Charles Foster Kane. That's true. And then he discredited Mank, mm. thus becoming in real life, bringing the character of Charles Foster Kane into reality as Orson Welles. Mm. Boom. You know, he was... Orson Welles was a magician. Yeah. And he was. Uh, he was, you know, I think uh, I could totally see. And the guy who played Orson Welles in Mink is British. And He's British. Do, where and do magicians come from? Breton. Breton. Hey, man, there's something about Citizen Kane there. Yeah. Something about that movie. Make of that what you will. We report, you decide. Yeah. Honestly, um, it's magician, a, it's all magicians fun. are from Britain. Oh, but I do want to say though, just about Tom Burke, he was in another movie that I watched called The Souvenir, mm. which is really good. But like when I watched it, because he is like the main actor in it, who's um, it's about this like toxic uh, love relationship between this um, student who's studying film, and then he plays this like kind of mysterious kind of. Um, dark horse kind of character who they have this torrid affair with but he just in that movie he has this like authority basically like he just as an actor has this like authority that like you don't see that much yeah it's it's that may to me is very reminiscent of classic hollywood uh -huh. actors so when i heard that he was playing orson welles i was like well that's literally perfect because he's like one of the few actors alive today who has like i said this this sense of just authority um that 
you know, just kind of reminds me of the the Humphrey Bogarts uh, <laughs> of uh, of classic Hollywood. Humphrey Bogart. Where have I heard that name? Oh, I think he's a character in one of my other. You know what I've noticed? I really like movies about what happens behind the scenes to making movies. Because I realize yeah. I really like Once Upon a Time of Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, Mank, and Hail Caesar. Yeah. And I think uh, that guy you just said, Humphrey Bogart. Yes. He plays, I think he's a character in Hail Caesar. Oh, interesting. I haven't watched Hail Caesar. Oh, we got one. I've heard it's an underrated Coen Brothers Definitely movie. Definitely is. I have to agree. But yes, I do like... We need more movies about fame, the making and the lore behind the making of famous movies. Yeah. So, like the disaster artist did to The Room. Mm-hmm. It added even more lore and and legacy to the room mm-hmm. that wasn't there before. Yeah, like what? I, what? Maybe we'll see a trend of more movies about the making of specific movies that yeah. will thus aggrandize and grow the legend of those movies. See, but I'm not that enthusiastic about them because I I was underwhelmed by the Disaster Artist. Mm, okay. The Room, and it's it's a perfect analogy because the Room is regarded. As the Citizen Kane of bad movies, mm-hmm. that is literally how people have referred to it. And the and the room, like Citizen Kane, is a movie that is, to me, literally shrouded in mystery. It's shrouded in mystery, but like on its like the the actual movie itself, like how it makes me feel, is transcendental. Oh. It's sublime. It does what any great, truly great piece of film does, which is that it has great writing. Great acting, great directing, but it is somehow greater than the sum of its parts, and it is elevated above those things to an almost mm. deity-like level. Whereas the disaster artist, to me, because this is like the third making of drama that I've watched this year. I watched the disaster artist. I watched um, My Name Is Dolomite. Oh yeah, Dolomite, I forgot. Is, my Dolomite is my name. I like and that I one too. Mink, and I think that they are all. Not as good, good as movies. they're good movies, but, but they're not, nowhere near as good as the pieces that yes, they're about. The subject matter itself. There have been a lot of movies. Mank is probably movies. the best example of them, though. Of the three of them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really one. did enjoy it. And like I said, it's so beautiful. I keep thinking about just the... Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, David Fincher's... He, I mean... He's he's truly. Um, did they use cameras from the era to film it, or did they? Was the effect? Is it was that a video effect? I think it was a video it? effect. I think David Fincher has been on the digital uh, train since he made Zodiac. Oh, okay, um, makes sense. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It was still a beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah, I, and it's a very engrossing movie. Oh yeah, and I mean, Mank is a very interesting. Like, I think Mank was. Um, it does a very good job of sort of portraying him as this like swashbuckling, um, you know, drunken right. wit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very uh, Gary Oldman esque character. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. about movies, about other movies, mm-hmm. the, uh, which movie would you like to see? Um, uh, the making of. Yeah, story? yeah, yeah. Um, ooh. Interesting. Um, and done right. Kind of like in a make style, but maybe better. Unless, you know, uh, 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, I don't. But that's the thing is like that genre of movies is so like um, it's new. It's almost like the superhero origin story. Yeah, but for films, famous films. I know, but it it suffers from the same problems that superhero origin stories do, which are prequels. Which is, hey, you know about this? Like, there's a scene in Mank where he's like. He's talking to Houseman, the guy who's yeah. basically like his nanny, and Houseman is like, "What are you doing? You're writing a movie that doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end." And and Mank is like, "You can never truly understand a man's life. The best you can do is try to make sense of it." Um, he says something to that effect, yeah. and um, basically he's he's like, "You know, I'm trying to. Who cares if it's nonlinear? It's it's still gonna make." He's basically explaining why he's making a nonlinear yeah. movie, which to me, again, is very like tongue in cheek. Yeah, too tongue in cheek for you. Yeah, it's very like like I said, they're explaining the the, the making the mis- of the, the the mysticism. Mysticism. It's kind of like there's the superhero. A, it's the midichlorians to the Jedi. Yeah, like as soon as you introduce it, it takes away the fun to it. But. Um, I'm sure there is some movie that I would like to see. You know what? Hmm. You know the, which one? Uh, I'll, I'll give you some time. You remember the, the, remember when you were doing your Hollywood director accent bit where you kept trying yeah. to remember that bit? Remember when I pulled up that story about that, uh, scene about Noah's Ark where like 30 yes. extras died? Yes. I would love to watch a movie about the making of that movie and the climax is the incident where all those people died. Yes. Yes. That would be really funny. Um, I can imagine the... Uh... I feel like it could be a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Because totally. it's got that tragic, dark comic aspect mm-hmm. with an obsessive director who's just so dedicated to making something that he doesn't care about others and then the incident happening and then everybody's telling him we're shutting it down because all these people died and he's like no this show must go on yeah Ooh, that would be yeah that would actually be a very compelling i mean one of my probably my favorite movie right now is sorcerer which oh yes i think had a really tumultuous uh like there okay there's a scene in sorcerer where they're putting together a, um, this is like in the movie, they're, they're, cause they're in this like Latin American village. It's an undesignated Latin American village, yeah. so we don't know where it is. But it's showing these guys who are putting together like a, a, a pipe, and they're in the, like, this lake, and they're trying to like put this huge like pipe piece and attach it to this, uh, the rest of this pipeline that yeah. they're trying to build. And the, the guy who's like the, um, their boss or whatever is like screaming at them and berating them and then the pipe like slips and then it falls into the water and it falls on this one guy's leg um whose whose leg is broken and like you see blood like spurting out of the water and i watched that scene and i was like i don't I don't know if Friedkin staged that i was like i feel like Friedkin just like filmed that and like kept it in his movie. Yeah. So like and and that movie I think he treated his extras pretty fucking badly. So um that could be an interesting yeah. making of movie. Of course Ooh. then it's going to be standing on the shoulders of 
the sorcerer, which yeah. is which is of course we we have to accept that most of these making of movies will never be able to. Stand. That's the problem with that. But they they're they're movies that help feed the legend of the movies they're about. Yeah, yeah, but you can also just listen reintroduce, to... you know. But they help reintroduce interest in the original work. Wouldn't you want more people to watch Sorcerer by having a movie about the making of Sorcerer? Being I made? would rather just listen to the podcast. You must remember this, which is a film history podcast. That's true. You could do that, um, or but you could have that, but in film form, four K. I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. What about a? They're never gonna be. That's a genre. That's what just about never a gonna... making of uh, the birds. They they already did that. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't, I have to see that then. Um. They also did a making of Psycho. Ooh. That um, sounds interesting too. What was another one that came out kind of recently? I'm trying to think. I don't remember, but um, one movie though that did I did think about that was um, that I think would be an interesting making of would be uh, I'd like to see David Lynch direct his own making of of Mulholland Drive, <laughs> which would be so twisted because Mulholland Drive already feels like just that's a movie that I describe as like a movie that just feels like a bad trip. Um, it. Uh, so to yeah to see him like maybe create like a making of of how he made that movie but it's subsumed in the same kind of weirdness and just oh, kind of like kind of cool. sinister vibes that Mulholland Drive is yeah um, that would be uh, that would be interesting I mean I I think my mind went there because I remember when my sister was on the musical episode. And we were like, what would be what would be a director we'd like to see make a musical? And she's you just like, I want to see David Lynch make a musical. I just want to see David Lynch do everything. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. Huh. So. Well, he created, he honored his father's script by making a movie about it. Yeah. Which is now feeding into the legend of Citizen Kai. Well, if, if nothing else, uh, Mank reignites public interest in Citizen Kane and uh, inspires people to go back and watch it, then yeah. um, that's good enough for me. Ooh, and I okay. think people should also watch Mank because it is... It's um, a fun ride. It's, it's a, a fun, fun ride. It's, it's a really good movie in its own regard. Like I said, not perfect. Very much uh, kind of beholden it's historical to revisionism. Tracks. Why do they all have to be the same? They're all the same. <laughs> Disaster Artist, My Name is Dolomite, and Mank are all like the same in kind of the same regards. Yeah. So, it's eh, okay. It's cool. Ooh, so since this is Trump's favorite movie, mm-hmm. so you know how I was like, so it turns out Charles Foster Kane is not a character you want to be. Does that mean that... Donald Trump is actually a Rick and Morty fan who doesn't understand you're not supposed to be Rick. Oh yeah, or like you're, or you're like a Goodfellas fan who doesn't realize the, you're not supposed to sympathize with these the guys. Main characters. They're just maybe about hanging out with your friends. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is. Um, yep. But that's like all American media. It's like there's people who want to be the Joker. Yeah, people want to be the Joker. I I, the the thing I appreciate. Cops want to be the Punisher. (laughs) Yeah, 
Well, like all cop movies are just about, um, they're so entrenched in the mindset of a cop that it's like, it's, it's, it's a window into that world. Yeah. And even if from, it, see, this is why art, the artist is dead is it's like, you can make a movie that in your mind is the most pro cop movie in the world. But then I look at it and I'm like, this is a the most brilliant piece of like anti-cop propaganda and it's like it can actually be both yeah um like citizen kane is a movie that has like a very high high and a very low low like it's a very um it definitely has its peaks and troughs yeah emotionally so very much maybe throwing a tantrum yeah yeah exactly you're gonna in this scene. You're going to move around like a little baby when you do your. You know, don't worry about it. Just go. Just feel it. You have to feel it. Do do that accent. Do your director being interviewed accent, but talk about the non-linear. Yeah, well, I remember when it, when they made it when I made a move when I I was cutting it. I was on the cutting room floor, and I said, "All right, I want to cut this scene. I want to put it before this scene." And they said, but it occurs after the, the following scene. And I was like, I know, I don't give a bloody damn. And they were like, well, the studios are going to have your head over this. And I said, well, they, they can come down. And this will be my third round of Russian roulette that I play. And I like those odds, you know. They can pull the trigger themselves if they want, as long as they give me the honor to pull their own triggers. Because we're going to play. If, if that's how the... I, I won't let this come to fisticuffs. We're going to play Russian roulette, or they're going to give me my own goddamn final cut. It's that simple. Beautiful. So, um... Genius. That, that should just about do it. I would say watch both of these movies. Yes, please. They're good movies. I don't usually give my rubber stamp of approval that easily, especially for movies... That Will recommends because Will likes good movies, and I'm a trash man. I eat trash. Yeah. But Citizen Kane, mwah, good movie. Mwah, mwah, we love the uh, nonlinear story. I don't know, I'm not gonna try. <laughs> abort, abort. Um, as always, I am the bridge and the arbiter between what is trash and what is patrician, and I am. Um, I am, I'm the bridge between those two worlds yes. and I will continue to be, to, to fight valiantly in this peacekeeping effort. Yeah. You got to bring over some of that good stuff to trash land. Yeah. I'm over here chewing on Shrek three and I need somebody to bring morsels of Citizen Kane every once in a while. And sometimes these uh, snobs need to... They need to have some Shrek thrown down their throats. Eat some fast food. Yeah, eat some fast food, guys. Anyways, this has been your boys, Will and Ramel, and this has been The Dad. Signing off. Oh, wait.